Hey friends, welcome back to the Declare podcast. Our mission at Declare is to equip women to walk in their callings as Christian communicators. So if you're a writer, a speaker, a podcaster, maybe even an artist, then we hope you're going to find encouragement and inspiration and practical tips to help you press on with your message. So if that's you, you're in the right place. And I'm your host, Ann Watson, and I'm just thrilled you're here. Thank you so much. First, I want to say a huge congratulations to the winner of our iTunes review contest, Mom for God. If you have not yet already, Mom for God, shoot us an email at info at declareconference.com. We need your real name to get you that free ticket that you won. And a huge thank you to everyone who took the time to leave a review. You just have no idea how helpful that is. We are so grateful. Okay, and before I forget, I want to remind everybody that we have lots of opportunities for sponsorship. So if you have a new book coming out or you have a ministry, you're starting a podcast, you have a business, you can sponsor this podcast or the conference or both. There are a bunch of options to choose from, and I promise it's affordable. Just go to declareconference.com and click on the link. In our last episode, I spoke with Holly Gerf about her new book, Fierce Hearted. Holly shared her unusual story, how she stays grounded, and why she thinks you need to forget about building a platform. Her answer is probably going to surprise you. That's episode 71, so go ahead and add that to your queue. But today we're on episode number 72 with Michelle Acker. Michelle is one of the founding team members for the Declare Conference and one of my most favorite people ever. Today you get to hear her story about bravely coming out of hiding, what your superpower is, and why she hates it when people say that balance is a myth. She calls her life right now an experiment in obedience. She has so much wisdom. You are just going to love her. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and get started with our conversation with Michelle Acker. Hey, Michelle, I'm so excited to have you on the Declare podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here and get to talk to you. Well, you know, some of our community members have been saying that they'd really like to get to know the hostesses of Declare a little bit better. So it was kind of a no brainer that we get you on here. And really, it should have been a no brainer for me a long time ago, because you've got a lot of stuff that you're working on, and you've got a lot of really great gifts and talents. And so I'm super excited to kind of share that stuff with our community today. But I thought maybe we could start by you just introducing yourself. Tell us about who you are, your family, and um, your story, like your backstory. Okay. Um, Well, I am a wife, mama, business owner. I do Declare With You Girls. I am an artist. I'm a writer. I'm an avid journaler. So I grew up in Michigan. And we moved to California out in Orange County, and I went to middle school and high school there. And then I did this crazy road trip looking for a college and ended up in Oklahoma for college. I met my husband there. We got married. We had kids. We moved to Texas about 11 years ago. And we've got a small business that he built from the ground up. We do graphics and signs and work for the trucking industry. Is that all? I mean, you pretty much do... (laughs) literally everything. <laughs> Maybe I should have asked you, what is it you don't do? <laughs> what is it? I, I do way too much. I have this friend that knows that I do way too much. And she's like, you're wearing too many hats. You have too many hats on. You need to put some of the hats down and stop. So that's that's one of the things that I'm working on. Yeah, I kind of get that. I still, though, I think you look really good in hats. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us, though, a little bit about your story. Like how did you come to know the Lord? And then how did you get involved in Declare? Tell us about that. Well, that's kind of a crazy story. Um, We 
we didn't go to church growing up until I was probably middle school. I'd say probably seventh or eighth grade. I had an uncle and we'd go over to his house when we went, you know, to visit on vacation and we'd pray before dinner. And he came to our house one year for Easter. And so we went to church. Like that was my only church experience was this uncle. So he came on Easter and we went to church and then we just kept going to church after that. And it was, it was kind of weird and unfamiliar and crazy. And I got to know God a little bit then. And I really felt his presence in my life in high school. And, and then the church that we were at had a shift in leadership. We got a new pastor and I just, I just didn't click with this new pastor at all. And so I sort of fell away from my faith and church. And by the time I went to college, I totally had abandoned it altogether. I couldn't believe that God and science could exist together. And so I picked science for a while and I picked that this is too impossible that God exists. And he slowly over the years, he was so faithful. He let me be completely ridiculous. And then he slowly just started calling me back and going, hey, I'm still here. Hey, remember me. I'm still here. I still love you. I'm still looking out for you. I've always been here. You've never been alone. And so I have slowly over the years just come back to him. And when I had my kids and and when I started blogging and met the Declare girls before Declare was a thing, and that's been a huge, huge part of my faith story is just being around this community of women and learning and growing in faith through them. I love that. And I don't think that that's an abnormal story. I mean, I think that there are some statistics that show that people tend to drop off or drop away when they head over to college and then come back again later in life. So, I mean, I feel like that is a a pretty normal part of your story. But you said there was something crazy about your story. What's the crazy thing? When I was slowly coming back to faith and I had started going back to church, my oldest was about two. We went on vacation and I was sort of struggling with, okay, do I believe in God? Do I think you're there? Do I not? And I was kind of wavering back and forth. He was bringing me back to himself, but I wasn't all the way firmly there yet. And I sort of needed a little concrete evidence, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so Uh, We were on vacation. My son and I were down on the beach one night just by ourselves. He was like two. I had him on one of those little toddler leashes. You know, (laughs) I was thinking how much I wish this was the kind of beach in California where you could go walk and collect shells. It's just sort of it's this thing I've always just loved to do. And Mm -hmm. there's not really that kind of seashell collecting going on on the beaches down there. And so we walked down to the beach and I was sort of disappointed before we even got there. And then we walked out on the beach and it was just covered and it wasn't covered with shells. It was covered with these smooth black stones. They were like the size of the palm of your hand. They were little tiny ones. They were all shapes and sizes and the whole beach was covered with them. And I was just so excited. I was like, oh, this is the same as the seashells. I can just pick up these rocks. I filled my pockets with them. I walked on the beach with my little toddler in tow And we sat and we watched the sunset and I was just in awe. I was like, that was a gift from God. I'm watching the sunset. It's so magnificent. There is no way that God does not exist. Like, this is his gift to me. This is his way of saying, I'm here. And you matter to me. And so we went back up to the 
condo and I emptied out my pockets. And the next day we came down to the beach again and I thought, I'm just going to do the same thing all over again, except for I had already started to doubt again. Was that really God in the sunset or was I just like overly emotional? And so making that all up, like really God put rocks on the beach for me to go pick up rocks. That's crazy, right? I totally get this. Yeah. They're just there all the time. You're just making things up like because you want it to be that way. And so I'm already doubting everything that I had experienced the night before. And we walked down to the beach and there is not one, not a single one of those black stones anywhere on that beach. And I just like I get chills even thinking about it now, how much it was evidence that he not only did that for me, but that he knew I was going to doubt him the next day. And he knew that I was going to need a reason to say, no, that was really God. Like he was really there. That was really a gift. So that's the crazy part of my story. And then he's just been proving himself to me over and over and over again, ever since. That is so powerful. And I know that you still have those black rocks, don't you? I do. I have a vase of them. They're in my bathroom right next to the tub. I mean, that's got to be so inspiring every time you look at that. It is. It is. And when I'm having a really hard day or or really feeling sort of alone and, and lost, I'll go grab one and I'll carry it around in my pocket for the day and just sort of pull it out as a reminder that, you know, none of us are alone, whether we realize he's here with us or not, whether we believe he's here with us or not. He's always he's always there. That's really cool. That reminds me of the footsteps poem. I know that we've all heard it, but you're just talking about being on the beach and God is with you even when you think he's not. You know, he is. He's always there. I think that's just a great, great story. That's exactly it. Okay, so tell me, how did you get hooked up then with Declare? Well, I started blogging when, um, this is another crazy story. (laughs) So my brother got attacked by a shark in Hawaii. I am not making this up. What? He was swimming. He was swimming in the ocean. He got bit by a shark. He managed to swim back to shore, got help. He's fine. Um, but in all of that, being in Hawaii with his future wife, they weren't engaged yet, but, um, and her family, he was so far away from us. And, and I was writing little snippets of crazy things the boys would say or do. And, they kept telling me how entertaining it was. So I started blogging about it just like to record the stuff, funny stuff that they did stuff that, you know, I called it, I love you, but you're driving me crazy. It was the name of the blog. And you don't have that anymore. Cause I'd go sign up for the email <laughs> like right now. <laughs> it's still out there somewhere on some kind of a <laughs> blogger thing, but all the pictures have disappeared because they, they were connected to some account that I don't have access to anymore. And they want you to pay to get your pictures back. And Okay. Um, all right. But, well, but I love this. I love you, but you're driving me crazy. So all yes. right, keep, keep so going. I, I started with that. And then I, I met a neighbor that lived across the street and I was telling her about blogging and she heard about how you can make money blogging and, and be a famous blogger. <laughs> so she started doing all this research and she found this group that of local writers that were blogging and they were moms and it was called mama's right and it was this little small group and they had a meeting in her house across the street one time and I met all these other ladies that had blogs too and we went to the first mama's right which was the very first declare conference it was in a little church 
And it was one Sunday school room. There's like 25 ladies there. There was four speakers. And it was so incredibly powerful. The messages that we got from the speakers and the encouragement and the just sort of spurring you on to go forward and do something good was so amazing. And it wasn't going to happen again the second year. Erin had said, you know, I can't do this by myself. And we heard her story a couple podcasts back about all of that. Right. And um, there was a few of us and we, we met with her. We were at another conference called the Mom Heart and we met with her in the hotel restaurant. And we just said, you can't let this go. This was so good and it was so needed and it was so powerful. You have to keep it going. You have to do it again and we'll help you. And so that's, that's how I got hooked up with the Declare Calls. It started crazy, crazy small and it's just been growing ever since. Okay, so now we're in, is it our eighth year? And yeah. I mean, what does it look like to you now? Like, what do you feel like God has done through this conference and through you and your participation in it? I'm in awe. Whenever I stop to think about it, I just think this is not anything that we did. This is not our effort and our work. This is This is God's work. This is a community that's grown out of something so small. You know, some little group that met in somebody's kitchen. And it's a powerful community because there's so much encouragement and support. And there's a a lack of the comparison and jealousy and envy that are so prevalent everywhere else in our culture. And so I think that's the most powerful thing that God has grown out of this is the community of women that are supporting and encouraging each other. You know, I just have to agree with you. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'm a self-proclaimed conference junkie. Like, I love going to conferences. And from the first time that I ever went to Declare, I just felt like there was something different. And I I don't want to say that it was the presence of God and thus make people think the other conferences didn't have that. But there just is something unique that you just almost can't name when you go to the Declare conference. And I love it. And I love that you and... Heather and Kristen encouraged Aaron to keep doing it. And I just love watching, even in the last couple of years that I've been on the team, what God has done and how he's using Declare. And it's just really, truly remarkable. It, it really is remarkable. And, and the beautiful thing about it is is how much it grows my own faith through being able to serve in that way. Yeah. And so let me ask you a question. Is being on the planning team of Declare easy? Well, (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking because the conference comes together pretty well every year and God's presence is palpable, which is an amazing thing. But I feel like I don't want anybody to think that it's easy what we do or that it just comes naturally. I mean, we actually we work pretty hard at it. Yeah. Being on the Declare planning team is not an easy job. Because there's so many details and there's so much work that goes into it. There's so much heart and prayer and planning and really trying to seek out what is God's will and what is his plan for us to do in this area, this year, in this venue, with which speakers. And it's a lot of discernment and it's a lot of intentional time. So it's it's hard in that aspect. But on the flip side of that, you have this incredible team of women who are absolutely phenomenal. They are 
the strongest women I've ever met. They are the most kind, the most thoughtful, the most wise and faithful and discerning and prayer filled. And so all of this hard work on one side is balanced out by this getting to be in this team. I mean, we joke on Voxer behind the scenes that, you know, the Declare Planning team is our life group because it is. I mean, it's so incredibly a blessing to be a part of it that it it balances out all the hard work that we have to do to make it happen. Yeah, I th- I could not have said that better myself. I absolutely agree with you. Okay, so I love that you're on the Declare team and you bring a lot of your special gifts and talents to the team. And I want to kind of move into that because you do more than just the Declare conference. I mean, you run a couple of blogs, you're a business owner. And so I wanted to kind of talk about Soak and Radiate, Deep Blue Graphics, and what you call the intersection of quiet and trust. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So Deep Blue Graphics is our family business. It's what my husband has built from the ground up, and he does the bulk of the work there. We have a couple of people that help us out. And then I help with the bookkeeping and the sort of numbers and behind the scenes, paying the bills and that sort of thing. So that's our family business, my day job. And then Soak and Radiate is a new project that I'm working on. It's sort of a passion project mixed with what I call an experiment in obedience. So God has been putting on my heart for a long time now that I need these gifts and talents that I have and I need to give back. I need to put it out there into the world for other people to be able to benefit from it. And so soak and radiate is this idea that he's given me that we need to soak in his word and his love and his truth and then pour it out into the world. So radiate it back into the world. So it's sort of a rhythm for living your life. You have to soak in the good stuff from him and then be able to reflect it and radiate it back. And it's sort of a rhythm. You can't keep doing one side or the other. You have to have a balance there. And so the passion behind Soak and Radiate is that I I see so many women who have these enormous gifts and talents, and they have absolutely unique experiences, and they have unique places where they can use their talents and gifts. And everybody is sort of looking at everybody else and saying, I'm not exactly like everybody else. And what makes you unique is not like your problem, what makes you unique is your strength. It's your superpower. It's your, it's your thing that God made you for. He made you unique and fearfully and wonderfully made in that exact way for his reasons. And I think that if we as women could embrace that in ourselves and embrace that in each other, that we could literally change the world. I don't think world change starts on a global scale. I don't think it starts on the national level or the state level or in any kind of political forum. I think world change starts right here in the chair that I'm sitting in and in the chair that you're sitting in. And I think if I can teach women how to do that, how to soak in what their own unique strengths are and what their giftings are and show them how to then radiate that back out into whatever their place in the world is, I think it's going to be so powerful. I just got chills when you said that, that 
world change starts from the chair that you're sitting in. I mean, that is an incredible way to say that. It's so true, and it probably should seem obvious, but when you said that, it just resonated with me. That is, that's a bumper sticker there. That's tweetable. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so good. Thank you for that. I, I mean, I have to honestly tell you that it's the scariest thing I've ever done because I don't know what I'm doing. And I am so full of weaknesses and lack of knowledge and and all of the things that you should know before you start something like this. But that's why I call it an experiment in obedience, because I'm just taking what God tells me to do. And that's literally one of my goals for this project is to just be obedient, to be obedient to completion, to take what he tells me to do and go do it and then say, what's next? And go do that. That's really cool. And I love that you said that you feel like you don't know what you're doing Uh, Because we talked a little bit before you and I about being brave and coming out of hiding. And you had some thoughts on that. And I was wondering if you'd share them. I do. So a couple of summers ago, I think it was the summer of 2016, I really felt God was telling me to stop hiding. You're hiding your gifts. You're hiding your opinions. You're hiding your needs. You're hiding your desires. You're hiding like in the back of a cave. Stop cowering in the back of a cave and come out into the light is what it felt like. And I so hard for me to do that. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram or not, but yeah, a little bit. I've started looking into it some. And so I am a nine on the Enneagram scale, which means I'm a peacemaker, which sounds really, I don't know, la-ti-da or something. (laughs) But what it means is I can't tell you what my opinion is because I am afraid that it's going to upset you. I want to keep the peace so badly that I push down whatever is going on for me in order to keep the peace for everybody else. And so a couple summers ago, God said, stop hiding. Stop stop hiding who you are. Stop hiding how smart you are. Stop hiding that you're an artist. Stop hiding that you have opinions. Stop hiding that I'm giving you this wisdom and teaching you these things that you could be sharing with other people. Stop hiding. And so being brave is not not being afraid. It's simply moving forward to just keep moving forward toward the away from whatever's holding you back and closer to whatever God intended for you. Oh, I love that. That makes me think of a quote that I heard that courage is not the absence of fear but rather the judgment that something else is more valuable. Oh, that's good. Isn't that interesting? It's Mm -hmm. courage is not the absence of fear. So I love that. I love that you decided that you wanted to be brave. So what did that look like for you? Well, it's an ongoing process, really. I am doing things that scare me or are uncomfortable almost daily. And it's really it's almost a training. It's almost if you were going to do a marathon, you wouldn't just sign up for a marathon and go run a marathon, you would train for it, you would go get the right kind of shoes. And you would start maybe walking a mile every day. And then you would start learning how to run a mile, and two miles and 10 miles. And so I think being brave is that same sort of training, it's pushing yourself to do something scary. And then you learn that you didn't die. <laughs> and you try something scary again, and you learn that you still didn't die. And it gets a little bit easier to push yourself into that scary place because 
you learn that it's really literally not going to kill you. It feels like you're going to just die of embarrassment that you put yourself out there with this idea that's in your head, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. If nobody gets it, it's not the end of the world. If nobody likes it. One of the ways that I started being brave was I started making art and I started painting and I started doing art that makes me happy. And I don't know if anybody else will ever look at anything I paint and like it or not. And it doesn't matter because I'm making art that makes me happy. And that's being brave. I love that. I love that you even know what makes you happy. Because I think sometimes we live in such a noisy world and their to-do lists are so long. And that as women, we just tend to put other people in front of ourselves so much that when somebody says to us, what makes you happy? We genuinely don't know. Yeah, we get really busy and numbed by all the noise and the chaos that's going on around us. So how do you slow down enough to figure out what makes you happy and to not be numb to the noise? I mean, we've talked before about how you struggle with the phrase, there's no such thing as balance. I do. I really, I really get a little bit fired up when people start talking about balance because I think there's, there are two ways that really the enemy is getting to us with this message about balance. And, and he's got two main lies that I've been able to identify. And the first one is the lie that balance means you can do all the things, you know, you can be Chip and Joanna and you can have the Fixer Upper TV show and have the silos in Waco and have a line in Target and have your family picking vegetables in the garden, raising goats, and you can have it all. And that's balance, you know, and that's a lie. That's that's not possible. Chip and Joanna don't do all those things. They don't run the entire silos on their own and they don't do every single thing that it takes to put their products into target. You know, they have a team of people that are doing those things behind them and supporting them and lifting them up. And so we get this misguided image from social media and from the culture that balance means I can do all the things all by myself. And then the other side of it is we get frustrated because we can't do all the things by ourselves and we've tried it and it doesn't work. And so we go the opposite direction and we say, well, balance is impossible. Balance does not exist. It's not achievable. I can't tell you how many speakers I've heard say balance is not a thing. Like you can't, you can't be balanced. And it drives me insane because it's such a lie. I mean, I can tell you right now that I can prove to you that it exists because if you stand up out of your chair and you stand on one leg, you're balancing. It's a thing. Balance exists, but it's not all the things, and it's it's not something that you can do without working for it. You have to be choosy, and you have to be selective about what you put your priorities toward and how many things you have in your life and how much time you have invested in each one of those. So I'm going to go on for hours if you don't stop. Well, okay. I mean, I'm just listening and soaking that in because I think that you're right. I mean, your example of balancing on one foot is is so true. And I just never thought to apply that to, you know, a non-physical space. But here's my question for you. You now believe that balance can happen. Well, actually, I have two questions. You believe that balance can happen. So one, 
was there a time when you believed that it couldn't and how did that change for you? But then two, what does balance look like for you now? Well, I don't, I don't know that I ever believed it couldn't happen. I just always believed I was a failure at making it happen. I had all of these things that I was trying to do all at once. And I was trying to, I was trying to say yes to every single thing that looked good or sounded good or was good or that I wanted to do even. And I finally had to figure out that I, I couldn't do it all and that I needed to be more selective about what I put my time into. And I had to let go of things that were, especially things that started out as a good thing, but maybe I was only still doing it out of obligation or I was still doing it because I thought somebody else wouldn't step in and take over. And so I was carrying things that weren't mine to be carried anymore. And I had to start letting go of them. And I got really selective about what my priorities were. And I developed a way that I could figure out how to filter things in my life. So I could say, okay, my family comes first. And this is my job that comes second. And this is third. And if it meets one of those three things, then it's good. And if it doesn't meet one of those three things, and I don't have room for it in my life, then I'm going to have to say no to it, or say no to it for now. And that that really helped me clarify and set some boundaries. And so does that come more naturally to you now? It is more natural, but it, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual process where I go through and have to evaluate what I have on my plate and what I'm needing to let go of, especially when I want to pick things up. I have a habit of wanting to do all the things. And so I have to be very intentional about before I add something to my plate, asking myself, can I sustain this? Is this going to be too much? Is this going to be beneficial? Or is it going to be a drain? I love that. You know, you should write a book about that. (laughs) (laughs) I really think you should. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about how you are an artist. You've mentioned that you're doing art for yourself. And you are also the creator of our program at Declare every year, which I think is insanely beautiful. It's not just a program. It's like a coffee table book. And you have recently started a new business using some of those skills. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I doing the things that I love with graphics and designing and making things pretty. I just want to make things pretty. I want to take something and I want you to look at it and feel a certain mood. So I want you to feel calm and relaxed, or I want you to feel like you're, you know, in a coffee shop, having coffee with your friends and full of community or whatever the mood or theme might be. And I'm, I'm good at taking that idea or theme and finding images that go with it and then making something pretty out of that. And I, I'm taking clients now who have a need for that kind of a service. And what I realized was I'm not a professionally trained graphic designer and I didn't go to school for whatever you get a degree in to do any of those things, but I'm good at it. I'm, I'm good at making the declare program feel like a keepsake. Like I want it to be our gift to you. When you come to the conference, I want you to have this beautiful book that you put all your notes in and take it home and you put it up on a shelf somewhere so that you can pull it back out and you can go back through it later. And you do, you do that well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But I I just, I had to sort of come to the point where I realized that I can, I I don't want to go out there and say, Hey, I'm a graphic designer. I can do anything you need 
because I'm not good at all the things, but I am good at that. I do excel at creating something beautiful and setting a tone and making it feel. And that's, that's a skill that just makes me happy. I love doing that program. It just gives me joy. And so if I can do that for somebody else that doesn't have that skill, that it's like, I don't even know where to start. I have some text on a piece of paper and it needs to look better than it does. I'm like, I'm your girl. I can do that. That's awesome. When I started owning that, I don't have to call myself a graphic designer and and say I can do all the things, but I can say, this is what I excel at. And this is what I'd love to help you with if it fits your need. So is it mostly print materials that you're talking about? Um, Print and digital products, both. Um, Because we have a graphic shop, we have a a vendor account that I can order postcards and business cards and do brochures and signs and all manner of things. Um, So I can do that. But also people are hiring me to do, you know, digital projects where they just need a PDF or an ebook formatted, that kind of thing. Oh, that's really cool. Or like if somebody has a proposal and they need a one sheet, they could come to you or... Absolutely. You know, what about like web design? Do you help with that at all? Or designing a logo kind of a thing? I am good at like, if you want to set a certain tone on your website, and you need to find the images to go on it and have them sized to certain sizes, I'm really good at that. I'm not good at the going into the website itself on the back end and coding everything and making it look the way you want it to look. I tried that for a while, and I could do it to a point. But I wasn't really excelling at it. So I finally just decided okay. I'm good at finding the things that make your website look good. And then you find the person that can plug them in the holes. That's perfect. I love that. And I think that's such a cool niche market that you're in because I can't tell you the number of times that I wished that I had something that looked really good graphically, but I didn't know how to do it myself. And I didn't know who to call without having to pay like thousands of dollars to a whole web designer or something. Right. Yeah. It gets crazy really fast. And I don't think it needs to. I mean, it's, if it's something that brings me joy, and I can bring a little bit of income to my family, and then bless somebody else in exchange, I think it's a win win. Yeah, It really is. So if people are interested in hiring you to do something like that for them, where would they find you? How do they contact you? You can contact me pretty much anywhere. You can email me, you can reach me through my website. There's a contact form there. You can Instagram message me. I'm available all kinds of places. And I'll put links to that in the show notes so people can find you. But so since you are kind of doing some design like that, I'm curious if you have a special tool or an app or program that you just love and feel like you couldn't live without. For designing, I know a lot of people love Canva and it's really good, but it's, it sort of overwhelms me. (laughs) which which is funny to say, right? Because I'm supposed to be the designer person that get it all. But um, I I just haven't been able to make that one work really well. I started out years ago using PicMonkey, which is pretty simple and easy. If you're looking to just do simple, like change a rectangle photograph into a square or resize it and those kind of things. I, I think PicMonkey is super simple and easy to use. So that's been my favorite. I normally design, we have some software at the shop that's specific to our industry that I use usually to design. So it's not something that's like an app or that kind of thing. Okay, cool. So you truly do what no one else can do. Yeah, I do. 
That's kind of awesome. Okay. Well, then I guess just speaking generally, is there something out there that you think is really fun that you're enjoying or or is there anything that you are just completely over? I am completely over Facebook. All because of this algorithm. <laughs> I'm, o- I'm yeah. over the changes in the not having control. I want to just see what my people post. And if I don't want to see it, then I won't follow that person. I don't want you to tell me whether I get to see it or not. And I, I'm just sort of over that. And I'm still loving Instagram right now, although they're, you know, they're sort of getting into that whole weird algorithm thing that's driving me crazy too. But I really am enjoying Voxer. I, I like hearing voice messages from my friends and being able to hear their voices and be able to chat back and forth, but not have to be scheduling a phone call. So I love that I can leave you a message in the morning and you don't get it till the afternoon, then you get back to me later. I think that's super convenient and it's really more personal to be able to hear each other's voice. Yeah. Voxer is great. I love that. And I love that you said that you're over Facebook because I kind of feel the same way, except there's one part of Facebook I'm not over and that is Facebook groups. I still think it's such a great way to connect with people. So if you're like on a launch team or even our declare community, I mean, we are very active in that group. And that is such a blessing. I agree. I agree. The groups on Facebook are phenomenal. And I think it's a, it's an amazing way to be able to connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Michelle, this year we are talking about warrior and I've been asking everybody that I've been talking to, what does warrior mean to you? And I would just love if you would share with everybody listening, what warrior means to you, because it means something a little bit different to everyone. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. So warrior to me is training and preparing yourself in case you need to go to battle. Unfortunately, all of us are going to have some kind of battle that we're going to have to fight in the future. It's just the nature of the world that we live in. So being a warrior means being prepared. I'm a little bit obsessed with the SEAL team TV shows and the the Navy SEALs kind of stuff that you can watch. And just the level of dedication and training that those guys put in to be able to even get on the team and then to be a warrior on that team. It's a huge amount of perseverance and determination and getting knocked down and getting back up again. And I think that that level of intensity and training is what being a warrior means to me. So even if you never end up going into battle and using those skills, just the preparation alone, the getting your mind right, the building up your strength, the preparing for battle part is that's warrior enough, right? I think so. Yeah. You know, we don't want to go to war. I must do. But we need to be prepared and trained and ready so that if we are called upon to fight, we can be victorious. Absolutely. It's like a spiritual workout. I feel like boot camp. Yes. Spiritual boot camp. There you go. (laughs) All right. So we're getting ready to wrap up here. But you said something to me earlier, and I just want to touch on it a little bit. And you said that your birthday is coming up here in the next couple of days and that you are excited about it and you think that's weird. So I was wondering, (laughs) you know, I want to celebrate your birthday with you, but, you know, why are you excited about it? How is that different from years past? Why is that weird? Well, I'm excited to be 46, which I think is weird. It's not like a typical, normal milestone. 
I have to agree with you. It's, it's weird. weird, right? Like, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird that you're excited about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I, when I turned 40, I had this amazing, not the birthday itself, but the year that I turned 40. It was like God just sort of flipped a switch in me. So I've spent the last seven years, right, from 40 until now. And God has been pouring into me, refining me, and growing me, and healing me, and me. And this is the seventh year since that 40th birthday year, which was such a game changer. And every year since has gotten better. And so I'm really excited about, I'm going to be 46. And I'm just excited that that's like seven years of being renewed, your whole entire body, all the cells in your body regenerate once every seven years. Like after seven years, you're a completely new body from who you were seven years before. And so I'm excited about being 46 because I've made it through seven years and I'm a little crazy. That's really cool. No, I, th- <laughs> I yeah, okay, maybe you're a little crazy, but in a fun and lovable way, you're crazy. Thanks. But I think that's really cool because first of all, um, I think I'd heard a million years ago that your cells turn over every seven years, but I had forgotten. So that's kind of a cool reminder, especially since I'm 47. <gasps> Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. It's our secret. Um, But also... I just think it's kind of cool that we are in our eighth year of Declare and that your renewing has been alongside Declare. I think that's such a powerful testament. Yeah, absolutely. Declare has been an intricate part of all of that. I love it. And, I, you know, people are probably just going to get sick of me talking about how much I love Declare and it's going to sound like this big ad or promotion or something. <laughs> and I don't mean for it to be like I don't want it to be that cheesy, but I really just feel like I need to let people know, or I want to let people know there's something different about this conference. And it's not just something about those three days that you spend with us. Like it's something that lasts, that it goes on in your life. And I just think that that's a really cool thing. And I think your story demonstrates that really beautifully. Thank you. Well, thank you. So Michelle, I just am so grateful that you came on to the show today and that you shared your heart and you shared your story. And I love that you're coming from such a place of inspiration that you were brave and you've kind of gotten to the other side of a lot of this stuff and you know you're not perfect, but you're so encouraged by your own bravery that you can now encourage others. And I think that that is a cool place to be. And I hope for any woman listening who feels like maybe she's struggling with some courage or balance or whatever it is, that she is just as inspired by you as I am today. Oh, thank you. I hope so too. I'm it's really a blessing. Yeah, it really is. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how God continues to use you and uh, and your story. We're going to get to hear more from you at the Declare Conference this year, which we're really excited about. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too. I get to talk more about balance. Yeah, it's awesome. So that's just a little teaser out there for people who are wondering, what are some of the things we're going to talk about at Declare? Well, you just got a little teaser there. <laughs> Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. I wish you the happiest birthday in the whole world. I love you so much. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today and just have the most amazing weekend. Thanks. You have a great time too. Do you all just love her like I do? She really is an amazing artist, creative, encourager, and friend. You can follow her or hire her if you need to and find all the links to everything we talked about in the show notes today. They're also available on your mobile device. So if you just kind of keep scrolling down on that episode page, then you'll find the show notes. 
But the rest of the notes for today are don't forget to get your tickets for Warrior, the 2018 event. The price is going to go up again soon, so you want to get the best price now. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or through Stitcher or whatever platform you're on. And then share it with your friends. Like, let other people know about this podcast if you're really enjoying it. And hey, you might as well shoot us a comment or leave us a review and let us know too. We love it when that happens. And don't forget, if you want to sponsor the podcast or the conference, you can connect on the website or just shoot us an email directly. Girls, we love our Declare community to pieces, and we are so thankful for all of you, and we're really grateful for how you put your trust in us. You guys are truly the best community ever. So that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Declare podcast.